What's up, Dirty Benches? I'm JD. And I'm Patty Popcorn. And we are the hosts of the Old Dirty Benches podcast. If you came here to listen to two women shoot the shit and talk about stuff we are not qualified to talk about, then you're at the right podcast. On ODB, we talk about white-collar crime, which costs the country upwards of 300 to $600 billion every year. Unacceptable. White-collar crime is typically orchestrated by those in occupational positions with the opportunity to commit these crimes. These crimes include insider trading, fraud, tax evasion, bribery, price fixing, and of course, corruption. We will discuss real cases, related articles, podcasts, and documentaries, movies related to the crime. Occasionally, we may sprinkle a movie review in. Our theme song is performed by Good Co. You can find them on YouTube, and don't forget to like, subscribe, or leave us a review anywhere you stream your podcasts. So gives us a listen. Bra straps. You just gotta work hard like Kim Kardashian. Uh-huh. Yeah. And no then... one wants to work, okay. No. <laughs> Immediately no. That's such such bullshit. <laughs> uh this is JD. And Patty Popcorn. <laughs> of the old dirty benches. Hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the bench. It's probably going to be a ranty episode. I'm feeling kind of spicy. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> oh my I God. think our little side conversations get me all riled I up. I know. I was getting feeling peppy. I mean, I have had, let's see. Uh, yeah, one cup of coffee, two sh- No, at least three shots of espresso. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> my ears are ringing. <laughs> Do you hear that? There's something outside the window. I can hear colors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, My eye keeps crying, so I don't know what's going on there. Okay. Allergies. Probably. It's bad. It is, but... I'll take it because we had a couple really nice, like, summer-type days. Oh, dude. Yeah. I... So... We had sun that came out over here, which was gorgeous. Some nice 70 temperatures. <laughs> Everyone runs outside. Ah, yeah. we were. I mean, neighbors, ha- people were grilling. I was like, fuck yeah. Because you don't, see, you literally do not see your neighbors for like six months here. <laughs> and Just then driving in your garage. The hey, clouds <laughs> came back in and the rain started again. I went back to goth mode. I was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> Oh my god! And then you didn't see your neighbors again for That's several right. days. So. It's like you guys had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know. It's so funny. You grew a beard. <laughs> when did that happen? You moved away. <laughs> we only know like what's going on in our neighborhood because Chris is on the HOA, so people oh, okay. like sell their house. Or, oh, we're, they're moving. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh wow. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. We yeah. We. Uh, we have our own HOA. You do? It stays in this yard. It's called the D-Ho oh. <laughs> HOA. Um. Do-a-ho. Camp Do-a-ho. <laughs> Camp Do-a-ho. 
Oh my god! You guys don't have an HOA, do you? No, we don't. Okay, I was gonna say they're such a freaking. We we laugh about it when we say that we have our own, and then like when new people move in, we're like, we should introduce ourselves. <laughs> uh, the fees are three hundred dollars, and that can be paid out uh, directly. We'll take it in ice cream. Yep, uh, ice cream sandwiches. That's so funny. <laughs> Our HOA meetings are just a bunch of old people. I'm like, hey, you guys want to talk? Why don't you meet for coffee? Like, let's wrap this shit up. I don't care. <laughs> like, literally, it goes on forever. Oh and it's always the same freaking conversations. Oh, I got up and left. I was don't like, make I'm fun done. of them because that's going to be done. us in like two more days. I don't mean two days. <laughs> it already is to some point, but... I'd say get up and go. If I'm talking too much, <laughs> I'll be like, Patty, deuces, I'm out. We talked about this, this five minutes ago. <laughs> be like a toddler and just be like, no, and walk away. Oh, God. Oh, gosh. That's so funny. Okay, so we we had talked we? about, um, well, we had discussed our house crafting. So let's, let's do that oh, God, first before more. we jump in. More so I had brought up infuriating housecrafting. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes. So Horrible literally, home. like the week before, I had looked up. They had gone to court. The judge said, "No, you have to report as directed." And then she said, "But." And then, yep. And then, like that day, which I had not seen, and I looked it up later. She's not reported to prison yet because her lawyers appealed the judge's decision, and then that judge. For the appeal said, you can stay out while we're reviewing the decision. Bullshit. So she's still out. And that was on April 27th. You know, I'd even be more like, is she under house arrest or anything? I don't, I want to, I know she has because uh, I would officers. at least feel better if she had like an ankle bracelet and couldn't go jetting off anywhere. I can't remember if she does have one or not. I know at one point she was on house arrest, but I'm not sure if. That is still is that place. when they found out she had tickets to Mexico, but she didn't use them. <laughs> she wasn't. It was one way. She was not going down there to escape <laughs> all of this mess that she created. Your Honor, I promise. Okay. I was going down there for it a was wedding. Cheaper, okay. It was to for buy a friend. Exactly. I I was planning on buying my trip back once we figured out when the wedding <laughs> ended. That. <laughs> But like if you're and I honestly don't know this answer. So if it's I mean, if it's a stupid question, I apologize. But if you're like involved in this kind of case, is your passport flagged somehow? I you know what? I think sometimes they can confiscate it and stuff. I don't know if there's any sort of flag. I couldn't speak to that. But um because and I hate to say this, but I think because she's female and then she had some other stuff going on, like she was married and then like the kid thing, I think they looked at her as not a flight risk at first. So, but then of course they found out that she bought this one way ticket to Mexico. Which she didn't use. Yeah, she did. Well, she was going why. down there for friend stuff. I think I believe I seen that it was for a wedding. That's what she said, her lawyers. One way ticket. So, yeah. <laughs> I might stay, you know. It might be really nice there. I heard this resort's really beautiful. <laughs> I say stay. Go ahead. Let's oh Red God. Rover some people over there. 
<laughs> We've started the list. <laughs> Checking it twice. Oh, my God. Boot the assholes out. Yep. Let's get rid of them. <laughs> Only if they're naughty, not nice. Yes, I agree. All right. So. So she's still out, everyone. She's still out. And Sunny is already in. So oh, yeah. Sunny, Sunny just went. There was no appealing. No. I think he was just like, let's get this shit rolling. And just report it in. So dumb. So, yep. So I, that was all the housecrafting I have today. Did you have yeah, anything else? No. Okay. I, saw, I sent that to you and I was like, see? Because oh, Chris was Lord. the one that showed me that. I know, dude. I had not <laughs> seen that. And then you said that and I was like. You're like, what? No. I was so irritated. And then after we got done, I looked it up and I was like, God damn it. <laughs> she's right. <laughs> she's. She's oh, a freaking slipper. She's slippery, that oh, one. Oh, yeah. Very slippery. Brother. Uh, it might be because of all the kids she's pushing out. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. She has, like, some sort of wiles. Is this judge a man? Because I feel like if it's an old man, she's never going to jail. Because that's, like, her demographic. <laughs> she has some way to, like, flim flim. I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't looked up to see what the demographics of the judges are involved in these cases. Yeah. But yeah. Weird. I know. Anyway. All right. So for white this collar. episode, yep, white collar. Um, but we are focusing on an individual named Larry Ray slash Larry. Greco. A what? Yeah. Oh, you're switching it up. We're doing stolen youth. Yeah. Oh, I oh, thought that's I'm what sorry. we wanted to do. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> We are on top of it. Okay. It's a professional outlet. Dang. Uh, our producer should have. flaming me. Our producer's failing us. She should have stepped in. I mean, come on. Come on, Conrad. <laughs> Step up. I can't with it. Jeez. <laughs> oh my We're God, stepping all funny. over ourselves here. <laughs> okay, so it's sort of white collar and a review, yes. sort of. Yeah, this one. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so. <laughs> Unless you would like to switch. No, no. Okay, okay. So uh, we're actually going to be talking about a documentary. Patty had told me that I need to watch this. It's called Stolen Youth. Um, it's on Hulu, right? Yeah, Hulu. Hulu yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, only three episodes. Yep, three so. horrible episodes. I'm going to put that out right now. Because it is. It's a fucking mind. Well, I don't think you really said like, exactly what it was about at the time. No, because I said you just got to watch yeah, it. Yeah, you need to watch it. I didn't know shit. anything about it. Yeah. And then, and I didn't look up anything about it until we started uh, watching. We got through the first episode. I had to take a break. Yeah. It's a mental heavy. health break because yeah. it was just so much to absorb and try to process. And then it just emotionally affected me. So, so yeah, we're talking about Larry Ray Greco, um, <laughs> aka Greco. the chameleon. So, if you do watch this or if you have seen it, the documentary is disturbing. It could be triggering for some people, depending on who's watching it. And like I said, I had to take a break mm-hmm. in between to try to digest the information that that they were showing in the it's documentary. It's just so unbelievable. Yeah. And we've covered this sort of thing on previous episodes where we've talked about this course of control. Coercive. But this is like the fucking... I would say this is probably the worst story we've MVP heard so far. MVP coercive. Yeah. He was a master. Yeah. He manipulated a, a group of young college, and I'm going to call them kids because they were 
kids in my viewpoint, which have now been labeled a cult group because of what happened, um, what unfolded over the years that they were involved in this situation. But the incident takes place at Sarah Lawrence College, which is located in Yonkers, New York. I had never heard of this college before. Have Have you heard it? Okay. Before we get into like ultimately what happened, I kind of wanted to rehash what course of control is again, because I think it's important when you're watching this documentary and then we've talked about it on the previous episodes of course before but i also think it's just really important for people to understand like what happens when survivors are involved in this type of situation and when a person actually uses it against somebody. So course of control is a strategic pattern of behavior that is essentially designed to exploit control and create dependency as well as dominate the victim. It's a pattern of behavior that an abuser uses to um, dominate their partner or the people that they're targeting. It limits their freedom. So it can include like physical abuse, emotional abuse, but uh, often it's more subtle. So it, it happens over a period of time. And it can include initially love bombing the person. So like showing a, a lot of care or charming them. A lot of times that happens. And it's uh, how they are able to um, rope the victim in essentially at the beginning. And then there's a lot of gaslighting, which Larry used pretty much every single day on these kids. Uh, Isolation, economic control, financial abuse. There's typically rules or some sort of guidelines that are set that are gradually increased over time once the victim has been emotionally invested in the relationship, whatever that is. And then, of course, consequences if those rules are broken. The rules apply to the victim rather than the perpetrator because they're setting them. They kind of create a double standard. They move the rules. Yep. And they'll move the And then say what? Ruler. Yep. I never said that, mm-hmm. which is the gaslighting. Mm-hmm. The gaslighting. And, of course, the victim gets so fearful about the consequences of breaking those rules that they just live in a constant state of fear. The controlling behavior is just designed to make that person so dependent and isolate them from any other support structure uh, that they get exploited they're deprived of their independence, whether Sleep, they sleep, yep. food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like creating. It sounds a, great. It's Sign horrible. me up. Ugh, it's so horrible. I mean, it creates like an invisible set of chains, you know, that pervades like every aspect right? of their life. So, um, well, and it has them second guessing their own reality. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Because then, of course, you don't You're understand. Like, Wait, but. <laughs> Yeah, because even I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Watching it. Yes. And like the other episodes we've covered, you know, we found a lot of the survivors questioning like the people that they'd known their entire lives, like parents and friends and saying, I can't trust you at a certain point because of what the perpetrator was doing. Yeah. So they're basically taken hostage and they kind of become captive to like this unreal world that the perpetrator has created or the abuser and they're entrapped and confused um a lot of contradiction is happening because they can't figure out where the truths and the lies begin so it just really erodes like that victim or survivor's sense of self their confidence their self-esteem any sort of autonomy that they might have once had it 
basically goes away. It evaporates because now you're just beholden to that perpetrator, the abuser. So let me just say, like, based off of what I saw, and I haven't, like, actually assessed Larry, but Larry is a psychopath. He oh has my God, total. antisocial personality disorder. I'm sure they've assessed him at this point. But did you read that? It said that they couldn't even do it accurately because he would try to manipulate yes. the, te- the, the, the person the assessing The answers to the him. questions. And what I will say is like research has demonstrated that, you know, a true life psychopath, because a lot of times they spend a great deal of their life sitting down with psychologists and psychiatrists. So they know how to game it. Yes. They figure out exactly what the processes are and how to answer questions right. specifically. What they're looking for. Yes. Yes. So That's they're, why they're good at manipulating mm-hmm, people. Exactly. So in Larry's case, yeah, I mean, he's learned along the way, like how to answer these questions, you know, or or how to manipulate people. So yeah, to that point, like you probably wouldn't get an accurate assessment on him. You'd almost have to like pencil whip it and be like, this person's a psychopath. You know what I mean? I hate to laugh, but like that is like, the truth. I mean, we know from the documentary, he's like been convicted and sentenced, like, (laughs) He should never be released from prison. This person has to stay there. He's a danger. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't say that a lot about people, but he's extremely dangerous. Um, And, you know, I know that we've just seen him from how the um, documentarians presented him, but everything that I've read about him and then actually seeing the survivors come out of this, uh, you know, and then other people that he's also affected throughout his life like not a good person right so and i know you know there was a lot of comments and statements on social media i really want to point this out too um because i don't think a lot of people have been educated on how bad course of control can be for a person or how good larry was at in using that strategy right. it was a process but i think like if you've <clears throat> never come across anything like this yourself yes then you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, you're not going like, to understand you can't wrap it. Your head around it at all? Yeah, because I've seen some people being like, why didn't they just right, leave? They blame the victim. Yeah, uh, and it's not like that. And that's why I wanted to kind of point out how coercive control works because it's so subtle. It's like a building block. Larry basically worked the victims to gain their trust, and then he worked on isolating them. But he also picked specific yes. people. Yeah. He didn't do it to everyone. No, and there was a strategy. He was very meticulous about who he started with first uh-huh. and then pulling each individual and then gaining basically a whole subset of friends, you know, and then there were certain people that he didn't bring in because he couldn't. So, and we'll we'll talk about that, but I really think we needed to do a better job about educating people on how bad this can be. Well, I just think victim shaming is bullshit anyway. Oh, yeah. Regardless. I hate it. it. You know what happened. Yeah. I mean, it's we all will sit back as as we are growing up or even into adulthood. You know, we're like, I would never let that happen. I know what I would do in this situation. But it's a whole other thing. Like when you get caught up in those situations, you're actually involved in it, you know, and affected by it. How fragile, like, uh, your mind can actually be. So well, we and always they've isolated you from your other support system. Yep, like that's your whole world. Then yes. So you know you don't know what anyone's going through. People stopping dicks is what I'd like to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just want to like impress upon the fact that for our thirty plus regular listeners, you don't know everything. Okay, 
So don't, <laughs> don't go <laughs> writing mean stuff to people on social media. Yeah. Uh, I hope you walk away from this episode like with a little bit more knowledge and understanding um, about course of control and then also about the story and the survivors that are involved because I think it's important. Having said all that, let's first talk about Larry and his background. So we find out that he's from... I think. I mean, I don't know. It could be a lie. Uh, from <laughs> allegedly, Bay- yeah, allegedly from Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Uh, he didn't actually go to college, but somehow made his way to uh, the New York Stock Exchange. I think he was going around telling people that he had gone to college, but yeah, there's like no real like records Proof. or documentation. Yeah, any he told evidence. people lots of stuff. Yes, turned out to be bullshit. Mm-hmm. A lot Spoiler. of lies. Yeah, a lot of lies <laughs> in the story and. He ended up exchanging and trading stocks on Wall Street. So it was like during that area where Wall Street Wolf was of like, Wall yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he dabbled in some insurance. He gambled. Uh, he was kind of like a wise guy. Yeah, basically, that's kind of like what it appears to be. Yeah, he um, had that kind of uh, mentality, it mm-hmm. seemed like. Yeah, I mean, he worked in the construction industry in New York. And for that time, that era, which was like in the 80s, a lot of the mafia was controlling the construction industry. So I would be hard pressed to think that he wasn't somehow involved with the mafia somehow, you know. Um, he also allegedly, yeah, allegedly, I don't opinion. know, no evidence. <laughs> okay. Again, if you've heard our intro, we're not qualified we're to talk shit. about any of this shit. It's um, like coffee talk, okay? <laughs> on the We're bench. Just letting you the dirty bench. sit next to us on the dirty bench, okay? <laughs> so Feel free he... to eavesdrop. <laughs> we know you love it. And spread the gossip, the tea. <laughs> okay. The hot goss. <laughs> he did run a um, New Jersey nightclub in Scotch Plains, I guess. And he did a lot of snuggling with some of the politicians at the time. So he held fundraisers for a lot of them, threw money at them. Of course. Yep. Um, he said he the was old in... back scratching. <laughs> we know how that works, right, everybody? Yep. Like someone we know who sits on the Supreme Court. Oh justice. my god, don't okay, even sorry. Get okay, here we go. Uh he said <laughs> illegitimate. <laughs> <laughs> he has said he was in the Marine Corps, um, an agent for the CIA. Sounds familiar. Yep, and discovered I the was a secret agent for the Queen of England. <laughs> When you hear it, you're like, what? But he had, like, pictures with people, so it made it seem more legit. Yeah. And, like, what 19, 20-year-old's going to be like, ah, excuse me, show me proof? Yeah. And it's someone's parent. Yes. Yes. And I think the interesting about that, too, like, the pictures, right? Because, like I had said, I mean, he worked on the New York Stock Exchange, so I'm sure he was, like, invited to some posh parties Mm -hmm. um, and then probably allegedly... uh, you know, worked for maybe the mafia. I don't know. Here we go. Let's just stop saying that. <laughs> stop saying that. We don't want to die. But then also like <laughs> rubbing elbows with politicians. You know, he probably went to a lot of fundraisers where there was some important, like well-known, powerful people that were invited to those things and got to take pictures and shake hands. So, you know, it wouldn't be a far stretch for him to be like, oh, I've, I've met this person, you know, like, and here's a picture of this, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And, and we discuss blah, 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 you know. So trying to show how great. Yeah. Like I'm this important person, you know, like yada, yada, that kind of thing. I mean, he even said that he discovered stinger missiles, which I was like, wow, 
Post-it notes. Yeah, exactly. I invented post-it notes. Whoa. That's a shout out to a previous movie. <laughs> Some of you youngins might know what we're talk- not know what we're yeah. talking about, actually. Missing out. Yep. That's a good movie, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he married in 1988 and had two children. He was besties with a New York police department detective named Bernie Carrick up until he was charged as a conspirator in a mafia-related pump-and-dump scheme. Apparently, he thought, I think, that Bernie was going to help him, maybe, like, out of this situation. But when he didn't, he started telling anybody who would listen... making him the villain. (laughs) Yeah, that Bernie had set him up. Maybe Bernie did. I don't know the ins and outs of that investigation, but... (laughs) (laughs) We don't know. We don't know. I mean, he eventually pled guilty in 2003 to securities fraud. And then the following year, uh, while he was in prison, his wife divorced him. And then during this time, he is released and loses custody of his kids. He actually kidnaps his daughter, Talia, and um, because of that, goes back to prison. That aspect of the story was interesting to me because he chose to kidnap one child. And it was Talia. The one he ended up living with at school. Yes. So this is the part where we're now we're going to jump into the documentary part of it as far as what happened to the kids at Sarah Lawrence. So Talia was there. She had enrolled at the school and she was attending the school. Right. Um, So she is the daughter of Larry and she meets a kid named Santos, who also becomes uh, her boyfriend at some point. And they're friends with Danny, Isabella, uh, Claudia, and then also Raven, which Raven is actually going to be join us, joining us here on the episode as well. Now that's awesome. Yes. Thank you, Raven. And also Gabe, Max, and Juliana. I wrote it all down on my notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I yeah. got a little bit of shame for, everyone. I know. People were shaming me for having notes. So let's take okay. a, a little break here before we get <laughs> into the rest of the story. Yes. Um, Patty came over here this morning and we were kind of talking about some other stuff. And then my spouse actually stopped in the middle of the conversation and said, what do you have in your hands? And Patty said, notes. (laughs) Because there's too many names. I can't remember everyone's names. Plus, I also wrote down the order in which they kind of got indoctrinated because I wouldn't remember that either. So, yeah. Yeah, the order of no operations shame. for Larry. No, I don't feel shame. Dude, one I'm bit. excited about it that you came with notes. I mean, I didn't I brought know. receipts, y'all. <laughs> I didn't know what you had in your hands, but excited. <laughs> My scribble, scrabble. Ex- notes. Yeah, I was excited about it. Yeah, so to your point, there were some other friends that were involved. Right, but they didn't get like roped in. So. They did not. Um, but just so you know, there was more than the people. They all lived on campus at one point, And this is where Talia announces that her dad is coming out of prison, Larry, and he needs a place to stay. And oh, by the way, she says that he's a really great guy. So I don't think she said he needs a place to stay. I you don't think, think he so? just started showing up there and nobody okay. really said get out or what. Yeah, there. I know like he basically came out and then she introduced him and then uh like he she basically was like he was railroaded into jail. Yeah, and to and I want to be clear too is like I don't know what Larry told Talia. And then I don't know what Larry had done during the point that she was kidnapped. Right. There's a lot we don't know. Yeah. Or any, like, even when he was in prison, because I think, how long did he go back for? Like, seven or six years or something like that? pretty... 
Yeah, it was like substantial after he kidnapped his daughter. So I don't know what sort of conversations he was having with his kids while he was in prison, what he was saying to her by the time he gets released. Now she has some sort of perspective on Larry, her dad. That, you know, he is a good guy and, like, he was set up. I only kidnapped you because I cared about you and I couldn't see you. You know what I mean? Like, who knows what sort of story he's been pandering to Yeah, we don't really know much about her at all. Yeah. So she, you know, of course, tells everybody, like you said, he's a great guy. He's been railroaded. He was wronged. Yep. Um, And so everyone just basically allows him to sleep on the couch at this point because, you know, they kind of have this understanding that he has nowhere else to go. So he starts cleaning. He's like cooking, you know, and anybody who has, which we <laughs> Anyone do. Anyone who's ever been in college. Yeah, in college or has Anything kids. Beyond ramen is yay. <laughs> and no one likes to clean the kitchen. No. B. <laughs> of course not. And, you know, uh, to them, like I said, in my viewpoint, they're kids. So here's somebody who's much older than than them in their viewpoint. He's probably friendly and yeah, engaging. He's, he's charismatic. Um, they probably thought that he had some sort of wisdom that that he could impress upon them. Uh-huh. So, you know, he starts sharing like knowledge and whatever stories he's got and um, offering them advice or recommendations. So they're starting to see him as some sort of like probably father figure at this point, yeah. right? Because they're, they've all moved into um, these dorms on campus. They're away from their family, you know, right. some of them not too much distance, but still like, not with your parents, like your parental figures and stuff. So it probably was a little bit comforting when he was there at the beginning uh-huh. and, you know, kind of offering that wing, so to speak. Shortly after that, he does start targeting the most vulnerable vulnerable of the group, in my opinion, which was Isabella. She um, was number one. Yep. Known as Izzy. person. To her friends. Um, they all talked about how she was introverted and somewhat of a recluse. And then they even interview her mother at some point, and she kind of speaks to that a little bit too. Like it sounds like obviously had depression. It seemed like yes, it sounded to me like there was some depression going on. Yep, some trauma probably in her childhood. Uh, Her mom never really went into great detail, but it sounded like um, she had some addiction. Right, and so Izzy probably seen some of that growing up, and um, they were from like a poor yes town in Texas. Yeah, I think she came in already with some trauma. Yeah, so he was like "Mm, victim one, Mm -hmm. and then of course moving all the way across the country to this college where you're trying to make new friends. Right, that is a huge transition and probably very disruptive. Mm -hmm. So it probably really affected her mental health emotionally and physically, and he probably like fixated on that immediately um you know just in having conversations and stuff with them one night larry goes into her room and he ends up staying in there with her like the entire night and (laughs) we call that a red flag everyone 100 percent red flag (laughs) but you know in seeing the other kids' reaction i don't think that they necessarily looked at it that way no they totally didn't but they start to see a a change in Izzy and they think that this is a positive thing because she's right, putting on makeup out of her shell. Yeah. She's 
being more like verbal and talking to people. So then Larry starts to give advice to Santos. Right. Number two. Number two. Right. Because his um, daughter's boyfriend. mm -hmm, His daughter's boyfriend. Yep. So he moves on to him and starts talking to him about some of his vulnerabilities and giving him advice. Basically blaming everything on the parents. Yeah. He did that with Izzy, too. He did that with he does it with every single one of them. So like you should be with me, not them. Yeah. I'm here to support you like. You know, you're fucked up because your parents mm-hmm, wrecked you because basically. they did this. And then he gets them to talk about their childhood, zeroes in on an event that maybe affected them emotionally. Right. Weaponizes it. Mm-hmm, exactly. And then um, isolates them and turns them against their parents through those conversations. Uh, he moves on to Danny. Number three. Oh, I have that as Claudia. You have that as Claudia? Yeah. Okay. I had him as number three um, because I think at that point, Raven was kind of throwing up the red flags because Danny was spending like less time with her. And then she was like, this shit looks fucked up. Well, I mean, he like got them to break up. Oh, yeah. He totally did. He didn't like Raven. No. He did not like Raven. Because she's like, this is fucking weird. <laughs> yes. Raven. Um, Which is how I think I would be. But you don't know. I mean, yeah, I think you, I would you be have, like that, but you don't know. Yeah, you have no idea. Actually, I do think that you probably would have been like a Raven in this situation. I think you probably would have seen some of these red flags out. and been like, uh, hey, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're in a cult, yo. Yeah, this guy is bad business. This is weird. Yeah, like, I don't think this is a good idea. And then, too, like, he also has Danny sleep with Izzy, too, uh, during certain points. So he pulls... Right, that's how he was controlling him. Yeah. It's fucking weird. So dude. there was some control going on with, like, sexuality. And, and then, of course... But that's when they moved into the apartment. Yeah, and then, um, and then, of course, he focuses on Claudia as well. Now, they did have some other friends. They were not easily targeted by Larry as these other kids were. Um, That includes Raven in this story. Like you had talked about, they all had some sort of vulnerability that Larry was like tapping into. Uh You know, for each one, it was specific to them. I mean, they don't really see how vile he is. They they haven't picked up on this yet. And of course, it gradually happens, right? This course of control is subtle. And a lot of times you don't even realize that it's happening to you. They all think he's great. He's saying things that make sense to them. And then... Well, basically, he's like... He gives them his undivided attention. Yes. And makes them feel special. Yep. And, like, and loved and cared for. Everybody likes that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you're like, what do you want, you fucking weirdo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing this? Yeah. I still think I would be like, why are you in a bedroom with a kid all night? That's weird. Yeah. And I was like trying to think back to when I, uh, well, I had a horrible situation happen to me like in my early 20s. So I could see the vulnerability and just not having enough knowledge about the world in general. And, you know, that there are bad people out there. I will target you and take advantage of you. And that you like how easily you can be manipulated. So I could see like, especially, you know, this well, is- Well, they were like smoking a lot of pot and Yeah, doing too, the so. normal young, exactly. young adult, like kid stuff. So that's not really like when you're impaired, you're not going to make great choices. Yeah. 
Or yeah. even notice like, oh, this is strange or, you know, you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. Or you might, but a, what a lot of times we end up doing is rationalizing for the behavior sure. and making excuses for it. We'll dismiss it. That's normal human behavior. Yeah. They've done studies on this, you know, to try to figure out like how often this happens <laughs> and it happens like all the time what the dismissing Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, because we'll rationalize we'll be like i don't think they meant it that way it was probably this you know and i'm i'm pretty sure that they weren't trying to do xyz and and we'll just keep waving off the red flags Uh right even though they keep popping up and tell something really horrible happens and And even then then, by then you're so far in it yeah sometimes we're like i can't get out of this you know like where do i go those kinds of things i'm sure like we can all really to that somehow yeah you know for sure and some sort of example in our life so yeah i mean at this point they're just hanging out with larry all the time and each other like they're not like they're like a little subset yeah they like a little club yep they're just listening to everything that larry has to say they're doing exactly what he is saying to them whatever sort of directions he makes they just follow it uh, they've stopped hanging out with their other friends besides their little in-group that they have. And of course, like we we talked about, Raven is one of the people that was John. best friends yeah. and of course dating one of the people in the group. And she gets completely pushed out, mostly because she's like, you know, this is strange. He's creepy and I don't, I get a bad vibe. Yeah. I don't know what he wants, but it isn't good. Yeah. And she basically says, fuck the this truth teller. Yeah. So she's actually the one who's like seeing him for what he is. And I think Larry is like, okay, you're poisoning the pool. You've got to go. I can't. I'm not going to be able to turn you. I know that. But I need to make sure that I protect this little group that I've created. And he pushes her out and isolates her immediately. When we were watching this, I actually literally looked at John and I was like, I think Patty is the raven in this situation. (laughs) Because I honestly do think that you would have picked up on the red flags. I probably would have been one of the people that might have fell victim. Uh, maybe, because you always think of the good. And like, I do. Fuckers I see, are bad. Yeah, I see the good, in, or I tried to find the good in people, and I probably would have been like, he's not that bad. Patty, you're overreacting, and you would have been like, fuck that dude. Get out. Yeah. You know, like that You're kind in of a thing. cult. Yes, I think you probably would have been the person speaking up like so. Raven. I mean, pretty soon the group moves off campus, and at one point they start living in this tiny apartment uh, in the city. Yeah, in the city that was actually owned and leased by a friend of Larry's. We don't know that. No, we Larry don't until Larry. His. He says it's his. But it was like his name was Chin, right? They show him and he... He's basically squatting there. Yeah, but what was weird to me, right, is like he's... <laughs> I kept asking myself, what is up with this shit? Because he was staying there for a little while. And it's like this, no, Chen Chen was when the kids had basically just started staying there too with Larry. And it's this one bedroom place, you know, where most of the kids are sleeping out in the living room. So I was like, I don't know where Chen was sleeping Oh, that I was, didn't get that he was staying there. Yeah, he was staying there at the beginning. And then when it started getting too crowded, you know, with the kids coming in and stuff, he starts staying somewhere else. And he was like, I thought it was weird. But they never really clear up any details about whether Chen reported it to anybody. No, he didn't. You know, which to me, like... I also feel like as but an adult... But wouldn't you be like, hey, this fucker is squatting in my place? Yes. Oh, uh, Yeah. Which to me was, I don't, my spouse and I talked about this and we were like, how do you just let somebody take over your apartment 
and not do anything about it for Because maybe he mind-fucked that guy, too. I, yeah, I don't know. I can't, like... But there was a lot of questions and red flags with that. No, yeah. and it wasn't explained in the documentary. So I have some questions about that because I really don't know what happened. But like I said, there's one bedroom. All the kids. In the living room. Yep. In the kitchen. living room. They're all staying there except for Izzy and Larry who are sleeping in the bedroom together at this point. So. Again, what? Yeah. They're obviously in some sort of sexual relationship, some sort of but intimate. But no one thinks that. No. But they they're kind of talking during the documentary that they did have some sort of reservations oh, yeah. about, you know, that they thought that that's probably what was happening. But I think they were already kind of like in a cloud. Oh, they are. I at mean, this point. 100%. So even Santos's sister starts staying there, Yalitza. She's yeah, like, her. basically, well, she meets Larry. She's been having depression issues. She's been having depression. Mm-hmm. So she's ripe for the picking. Yep. Um, at this point, very vulnerable. Gets introduced to Larry, and he starts doing the same sort of tactic that he's used on the other kids. She's now living there in the living room, sleeping with the other kids. First off, I would not be there. You know why? Because too many people. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So there. It's good to be antisocial people. You don't get rubbed in. (laughs) We've got to lighten this up a little bit because it's so dark and heavy. It is. Um, It's fucking crazy like the whole time when i watch these cult shows i just can't i don't get it yeah i so like i said you know like they he has subtly built up such a massive control over these kids Um, but it was like and i wrote in my notes it's like he is just seeing how much he can get away with with them you know he keeps doing this outrageous shit and they just eat it up yeah i I probably wouldn't say eat it up but you know like no one's like this is fucked up i'm out they're like all i'm sure that there probably were times where they were looking at this and thinking you know because they had to have negative emotions that were tied to what was going on but i think because of the isolation and then you don't have anyone telling you that didn't happen no because at this point the only people that they are surrounding themselves with is each other yep and larry it's kind of like they were hypnotized almost yeah i you, you could probably describe it that way is that's the easiest way to create this sort of paradigm that they're living in right because they basically turn their back on their families, like their parents and stuff. They're no longer talking to them. Typically, the only time they would reach out to them is if they needed money, money. Yeah. right? And then their friends, he isolated them from their friends. Right. You know, like, they don't care about you. Like, I'm the only one who cares about you. They're you bad know? for you. Mm-hmm. They one don't them, want you to live the way you should be living. Yeah, they're, you know, they don't have their best your best interests. Like, look at all the work you've done. You know, like, they're just, he was one step ahead. Every time, you know, he had an answer for everything, right? So it really makes you question what you know to be true. Right. But then when he starts doing the, you injured me or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he basically sets up, he has this strict schedule that they have to do, which also includes. Reveille. Yep. And playing the same music. Like he's come up with this 
playlist, and he plays it constantly while they're at the apartment. Just like the Puppet Master yes. guy. Yeah, I picked up on that. So he did the same thing. It was like, what, Duran Duran? Yeah. That song that he Ordinary really liked? World yeah, and he would play something. it on repeat right. for his victims. Um, So I thought that was interesting, yeah, right? I didn't even think about that, but that's funny. Yeah, I had picked up on that, and I want to make sure to, to add it in as the notes. But And then he's also controlling what they're eating. He had, like, padlocked the refrigerator. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. What? Yeah. Well, knowing the foodie that I am, <laughs> and I'm going to lighten it up here because this shit is heavy. <laughs> I might have been like, I can't get wiener sniffles. Exactly. I'm out of this bitch. Well, I'm sorry, but anytime anyone's telling me, like, you can't eat whatever, <laughs> fuck off. I'm going to eat a whole thing of whatever right in front of you. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was con- he controlled their diet, what they could and couldn't eat. He controlled everything. Yeah. He, like, made them do 400 push-ups or something? Yes. I mean, he. so this is the thing. He's setting their schedule. He tells them when they can get up, when they can go to sleep. He only allows them to eat what he wants them to eat when he wants them to eat it. So they're starving. I mean, you could see from the beginning to where they ended up at, how much weight they had lost. I mean, and then he's doing this workout regiment where, like you said, they had to do all these push-ups. They're doing these jumping jacks in this tiny apartment. Yeah. You know, and the crazy thing is we get to see all of this because he's recording every aspect. Exhibit A. Yes. I mean, it's whether it's on tape. Audio. Audio. Yeah. Or you're seeing the video. Everything was recorded by him. I mean, he's torturing and interrogating them the entire time yeah like it just seemed like the only time they got any sort of reprieve from it was when they went to class you know so that was probably like their literally their only break that they had right well and they're all like getting mind fucked together so it's not like again you don't have anyone going that didn't happen yes because they're all like like hypnotized yes and then you damaged me. You broke that. Mm-hmm. Nothing's broken. Yeah. And they're all sleeping together, right? In the same area. So you don't have personal space. There's no autonomy at right. this point. Yeah. You're kind of like one organism or one person. You, you know, you have no individual aspect no, of yourself anymore. Yeah. So, like, this is essentially how he set up everything. But then didn't he tell the the guy whose apartment it was like i'm building an army yes he did he told chin that <laughs> and the guy's like okay cool see ya yeah well i'm gonna go live somewhere else that's where i was like what the yeah, what what like you don't hear How come that you're not a co-conspirator buddy? yeah like i that's what was the red flags were kind of going up a little bit because i'm like that should tell you something is very off here in this situation yeah you know but I, I'm not going to speculate too much because I really don't know his Maybe side of the story. Of and he could have been. Larry's a been bad like, person. This guy's fucking weird. Yes. Better them than me. Bye. Uh, yeah, which is sad because that goes into the bystander effect. But um, yeah. You have a word for everything. Dude. <laughs> That's what my liberal degrees got me. You guys with a a bitch slap of knowledge in there. Dude, sometimes I got to put my nerd hat on a little bit. Sometimes. And then be like. And I got to put my uh, witty repartee (laughs) hat on. 
Yeah, so to your point, right, he's literally getting them to turn against each other, hurt one another. I mean, they were physically abusing each other because of whatever Larry instructed them to do. And then he's having them degrade one of another. I mean, he's chipping away at any sense of self they had. What will you do for me? What can I make you do? Yes. And to try to decrease the amount of abuse that you're getting from Larry, right? Do whatever. You're going to do whatever he says because at Somehow that might earn but he you had more just favor. Like flim flam them so much that he would make them write down transgressions that they didn't even do. Yes. And that's where I was like the interrogations that are going on. But it was like Guantanamo Bay in there. Dude for hours yeah he would be sitting there questioning them and then at a certain point you start basically questioning what you know to be true and then you just want it to stop like maybe i don't remember yeah so you must have done it but i don't remember you're willing to say whatever it is he wants you to because you just want it to stop and And now you owe him a hundred thousand dollars for shit you didn't even break yeah like larry was also constantly giving them Adderall while they were there in the apartment. And then he was also taking Adderall. So what could go wrong? Yeah. Which of course gives them tons of energy when they first take it, but then also causes them to crash, which I think makes them more susceptible to manipulation. And of course they have difficulty at that point, like trying to go against what Larry's telling them or doing to them, creating any sort of barrier to combat the abuse that they were suffering through, I think was hard for them at this point. Right. You know, and it seemed like Santos was taking the brunt of the abuse at the beginning, I felt like. Right, which we it was said that maybe it's because he was dating Larry's daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm, Talia. Which uh, makes which, sense. At this point. who knows what kind of warp relationship they had. Yeah. And at this point, of course, they're no longer together. Like, she's still living on the campus and they've broken up and you know and but and she's in the apartment yeah i think she was there maybe at the beginning and then she they don't really talk too much about her no i mean they kind of cover her a little bit at the beginning because she introduced and right. they brought larry and then there at the end they say she was charged as a co-conspirator or something yeah i think though that i had read that J- they actually dropped those charges okay. so she was, I was never... wondering like was she somehow involved in this because it seemed kind of weird i want to talk a little bit about her and then also izzy at the end because i i look because they ended up charging izzy and then um convicting her right and i really feel like izzy was also a victim in this whole thing so i was very um had a hard time disappointed yeah figure out how i felt about that because i feel like that well you don't know no and i don't the other thing is that's how i felt i I, don't know like should you go to jail i'm not sure the whole thing was so fucked up yeah there was a lot of manipulation going on i I haven't seen the evidence. I don't know how much she was involved Mm -hmm. in some of the things that were going on. It's very reminiscent of the Nexium stuff, though. Yes. Yeah. If you haven't watched that, that's another fucking mind blower. Yeah, that one, of course, is also a cult documentary. The thing is, when I watch these shows, these are normal people. They're not like people that you would think would behave like. No, this. it's your That's friends. That's what's fucking scary. Yeah, it could that be you people can be you live so next door. overcome by someone else that you're willing to do whatever they tell mm-hmm. you. Yes. And are you going to talk about uh, Felicia? 
Oh, yeah, I'm getting there. Okay. I'm getting there. Yeah, like like you had said, he's basically having them confess to breaking things in the house, which they, they didn't do. Didn't, yeah. He's having them email a list of things that they damaged. And then, and of then course, be like, are you sure that's all? Yeah. So they come up with more They would shit. come up with more I bullshit. I done more stuff I don't remember. Yeah, so they would just keep adding to the list. Right, so, so then it's like hundreds of thousands yeah, of dollars. Yeah, he's calculating the VAT, which... Most of it was not his stuff. It right. belonged wolf, to this other person. A wolf oven, $8,000. Yeah. What? Claudia at one point sends a letter to everyone in the house, which is a confession about allegations she made against Larry, which never happened. I mean, I, you know, it was like total, it was a lie. So she was forced into writing this confession and sending it to the rest of the group which none of it was true. She never had said anything about Larry, yeah. but he had convinced her to do it. So she did it. And of course we find out the the parents are all trying to communicate with their kids. And getting shut down. Yep. But Larry makes it difficult oftentimes. Like when they do reach out, of course they're asking for money um, and they're worried, but they're trying to be careful about how right. they, they talk don't to the kids. totally get shut out. Right. Yes. So I think I would have gone there and been like, you're coming home. How do you do that though? If like your child is like, I don't care. I, I don't care. If I'm not coming baby, with you. You fucking come home. <laughs> you, you something is seriously wrong here. Oh my god! I personally, with our kids, if I seen this happening, I'd probably have to get arrested for kidnapping my kid because. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you you need to break the spell. Yeah, and and they might hate me for a little while, but but you know, like on the puppet master, how that guy once he went back to his family's farm, then he could see, like, oh my gosh! But when you're in it, you can't. You can't. You're completely blinded. Exactly. And you're so trapped at that point in that reality, you can't see how damaging and toxic it is. Right. So sometimes you have to have a break to get out. And to your point, he went back to his family's farm and was there for months and then was like, he was like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. You know, these girls are who knows where. And it's because of me. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of blame. I don't feel like Talia. I mean, again, they didn't show her. So but I don't feel like she felt bad that her dad was doing all this crazy shit. And I have no idea. I mean, there's no, you know, of right, course. You barely see her. Yeah. In the beginning we, and we then don't never know. again. So um, that's totally my opinion. <laughs> but. And I would say a lot but. of times what ends up happening in those situations, right, is that the person who first introduces the abuser has most likely been abused themselves. Oh, for sure. So I guarantee she's probably been manipulated. I don't know what their relationship was. Yeah. You don't know, like, when he kidnapped her, what all that was about. Exactly. Who knows? Because there was a span of time where she was with him, and who knows what he did to her. Exactly. So, of course, Felicia, this is when we get introduced to her. She's the sister of Santos and Yalitza. Mm -hmm. Um, So the whole fucking family. Yes. These All these siblings fall victim to him. I thought that was so... That fascinating was, that was sad um and she is gonna be a psychologist what yeah so she was finishing her phd what? she was living in california but she was studying to be i believe it was in psychiatry yeah um so working you as know, a doctor uh, yep doing her internship and stuff she was close to graduating and then gets introduced to Larry. And of course... Love at first sight, everyone. Yeah, and you have to remember... And if you saw Larry, what? What? Yeah, Larry's... He was nothing to look at. Of course, at, I'm okay? looking through him 
of the lens of he's a psychopath <laughs> and then knowing what a terrible person he is. But still, when you very first see him, you're like, what? No, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> she comes out to visit her siblings in New York and she meets Larry and he immediately starts love bombing her. He's like showering her with flowers. Even when she goes back to California, he's sending her flowers and love notes all the time. And she doesn't know what her siblings have been experiencing. She has no clue. And of course, they don't share any of that when she's there visiting. She knows they're all kind of like living in the apartment or whatever, but doesn't really get to see like the The damaging effects. Yes. While she's studying and finishing up her um, PhD in California, Larry actually convinces her that the people after him are now after her, and she's in and like they're this... sent by her parents. Yes, yeah, sent by her parents. She's in grave danger. I mean, he calls her and convinces her that she's got to come back to New York because that's the only way she's going to be protected. He can protect her. So she literally leaves everything behind, flies out there. Exactly. And is, you know, gets sucked up into the whole thing and now is probably also one of the worst victimized. Oh, dude. Like right out of the gate. It was awful watching the recordings, but when I seen how bad uh, she had decompensated during the abuse she suffered, yeah. it was like, like another person. So tragic. Yes. Yeah. It was so tragic. I, ugh. Yeah, you All have to three watch of it. Those siblings, though, man, it was horrible. I mean, they were getting beaten by him, choked. Um, do you think they were abusing each other? Their parents were immigrants. Do you think that made them more susceptible for some reason? I don't know because I know, like, they were really trying to branch out and get their degrees, right. get higher education. Right. So yeah, I don't know if that made them more susceptible because I really feel like. Or do you think maybe she had some underlying mental things going on anyway? Because she just seemed like she unraveled in a second. Very quickly. I will say this. She was working on her doctorates, high stress, in particular, the area that she was focused on. It's Uh in behavioral science. We get taught a lot of times about secondary trauma when we're working in these fields because of, you know, the cases that we look at Sometimes they're so graphic, and then we also have to... like, you're traumatized? Oh, yeah, you also get traumatized. So there could be some secondary trauma. I don't know if she has, like, actual trauma that happened to her, but I could definitely say that she probably had some secondary trauma from the work that she was already involved in as part of her studies. Because to me, I would think she would be like, hey, now... This is what you're trying to do to me, but she didn't. She didn't see the red flags. But you have to remember, though... Larry was very loving at the beginning of their relationship, right? I mean, he was like, I'm in love with you. I want to marry you. I want you to have my kids. I love it for sight. Yes, he was feeding her all this stuff. You know, and of course, she's like, probably hasn't dated a lot during her, and I don't know for sure, but I'm imagining that her life at that point had been all about her doctorates, right? Her studies, working. Yeah, I mean, that's how it is. You're working, what, 18, 20 hours a day? Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, and then on top of that, you've got to stay on top of your studies. But here's this person who's, like, making time for her. I just thought, like, she seemed unraveled. Yeah, I don't, I can't. worse than any of the other ones. Yeah, and I can't speak 
directly about exactly where her mental health was because we don't really know. Right, no. But I can say just having worked in the field and understanding like how that can affect you, your mental health, it can be traumatic from that. So, and I don't know what kind of cases she had at the right. at that no, time. We don't but... know anything. This is all just me talking shit. Yes, like asking questions. <laughs> but I just thought like, I even put in my notes, <laughs> my last note is, what is up with Felicia though? <laughs> yeah. Because she seriously is like, she is gone. Yeah. And yeah, watching her because we see the recordings, you know, she her codependency on him seemed the worst out totally. of the entire group. And he was like sitting on her. Oh, and, yeah. Like, abusing her. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Abusing her. I mean, and I can't. Izzy, too. Oh, he was yeah. Shoving her out the door and yeah, and, her and stuff. And then Izzy, of course, was like don't leave me like that's the dependency part you know what i mean because you've been separated so much from everything else and you have to remember too he was telling her siblings santos and yalitza that they had done all these horrible stuff to her to right. felicia yeah and she had gotten to a point where she was actually leaving yeah well first stories. he said the parents did it mm -hmm. and then he said oh no it's yalitza she was poisoning you. yeah yes what Yes, and Yalitza, he he made her tell her that. Yeah, I've been poisoning you this entire time. That's why you're. That's acting why like you're this. acting like this. Yeah. and she. The mind is a fucking freaky thing. It's okay? fragile. It's very fragile. You the know, things that you can make someone think and believe. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, during this point, Danny ends up being like the first one to leave. Yeah, he he's. One day, just like I'm done. Leaves. Well, after he like uh, abused him with the vice or whatever. What yeah, was, was hitting him. I had to actually turn away yeah, on that, that point of the, the episode. It was hard to watch for me. Nice that he recorded it all, though. Oh, that was great. Man. Yeah, I. <laughs> that to me, that behavior, the recording and stuff. Obviously, he could use it as um evidence against them right right to continue to course and right. make them fearful just like nexium yes with the whatever it was called collateral. but i i also think he probably used he it probably so he can watch it. yes yeah and because it sure. made him feel, feel more powerful right because uh -huh. i have control over these people look at what i'm doing to them which in itself is gross Fucking gross yes yeah. he's a winner everyone Oh, he's a horrible person. So Santos takes medical leave from school. At one point, they go out to North Carolina. And then, like you had mentioned, this is where Felicia's to told. House. Yeah, it's at some friend's house, which I don't even it's know. It's a stepdad. We, I was like, what? So Felicia's <laughs> told by her sister she's being poisoned. Um, that's why she's having all these problems. And then Elitza actually, after that, leaves the group as well mm -hmm. because she's like, I can't Under take this anymore. Under the cover of darkness. Yeah, she just leaves in the middle of the night because she's like, I can't do it. And ends up back in New York where she's living in supportive housing. Right. Because she doesn't feel like she can go to her parents at this point. Right. And she's feeling she's a lot like, of shame, shame and guilt. Exactly. Yeah. Santos Leaves around 2015, same thing. So Doesn't, they all kind of break the spell on their own. Yes, they end up leaving because I think at some point they're psychologically, yeah. they they can't take it anymore. Except for the two girls. Yes, 
um, women that he's sleeping with together. Felicia, Az, and then yeah. Claudia was still somewhat in the mix, but they've been trafficking her, trafficking her, and it's not clear when Claudia actually is no longer living with them because we find out that she's actually living in an apartment on her own, right? But she's been trafficked by Larry the entire right. time. She's escorting to make money for all the transgressions she did against him that weren't real. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So And she's given him a like million dollars. Oh yeah, lots of money every year. Like Larry was showing up at her apartment along with Izzy demanding yeah, where his that money was, was at. Fucking weird. Yeah, so that whole aspect of it was like this whole thing is sad. Um, and unbelievable. Yeah. And I know some people are going to be like, well, I don't know how this could have happened. But honestly, like. You watch any fucking cult show, dude, you won't believe it. But it happens. It happens, it happens to a people. lot. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to the interrogations and then like controlling somebody's environment. Right. So he actually. He's using like torture techniques. And they're a technique because they work. Oh, You'll you mean, say anything to make it quit. Are you talking about enhanced interrogations, <laughs> Patty? Yes, yes, I am. Oh, because I remember you bringing up Guantanamo earlier. That's interesting oh, that you would say that. I know. Allegedly, mm. or I don't want to get in trouble, but... <laughs> uh, no, what I was actually going to get to is, like, this whole process that he uses to get these false confessions out. I literally just wrote a paper on this. And um, go, everyone, she's going to hit us with her smarts. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put on my nerd hat for a minute. So <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote a paper on this and it's it's about our criminal justice system. But it talks about how um, law enforcement detectives, when they're investigating a case, they use some of these same strategies when they're interrogating a person to make people confess that end up making people confess and not. I mean, in some of these cases, they're right. they didn't actually do something. Right. They're completely they're innocent. Like stop. But they look for short term gains. They don't actually look to see what the long term consequences of making that decision is. All they want to do is make it stop. Well, and sometimes they they're like, if you just say this, you can go home. Yep. And okay. That's, yes. That's co- that's basically falls under the minimization and maximization techniques that they use. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that good cop, bad cop mm-hmm. thing. Or if you tell them like, hey, if you do what we're asking you to do, here's what'll happen, which is a lie, but they can say that. So right. then yeah. you end up getting people to confess to something that they actually didn't do. So what we actually saw here is like a a real life example of, the, of those techniques those techniques that happen in those interrogation rooms at a fucking police department yeah and they're only in there for a matter of hours right this was months and this years. was years that they were going through this yeah you know what i mean so, so maybe that's why she's the way she is acting yeah so you have to and that's where i was saying like people need to be better educated about the manipulation and that it can take, you know, a matter of hours to actually break somebody's mental barriers down uh-huh. and get them to confess to stuff now that they wouldn't have done. years of people doing that to you. Months. Months he was He's doing this, crazy. subjecting them to this, yeah. that they basically created a whole new reality. They made a different person of themselves to appease him. Right. Having said that, though... 
I want to take a break and bring Raven in. So we have a conversation with her about, you know, some of the aspects that she saw, because of course she was part of this whole story. Um, we've created some questions for her and then uh, we'll come back and, and finish up. But are you ready for that? Ready. All right. Let's hear from Raven. What's up, Dirty Benches? This is JD. We broke this episode up into two parts. Part one will be released at its normal time. Part two will then be released a few hours later. We hope you stick around. Thanks for listening.